Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. Hey, it's another episode of Middle Age Warriors number 22, 22, 22. 22. I think 22. we'll go play that in a lottery. I like it. I am Chris Cimino, and that other voice you heard, who's on the beach, you can't see right now, but uh, apparently through the magic of Zoom. and The magic of Zoom. Yes. It's really something. This is Rick Summers. We're uh, coming to you on the Believe Podcast Network, and uh, I can't believe we're up to show 22. Show 22. Time flies when you're having something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely played. But actually, it's it, this is. I'm a little jealous, even though I know you're really not at the beach. But I'm watching your your hair is blowing in the wind. Beautiful turquoise water, palm tree behind you. If only, right? <laughs> yeah, the magic of Zoom. You know, it's really become a way of all our lives to the point that people are now like, they don't want to do phone calls anymore. They want to do Zoom, and it's like I really don't want to see you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of you know, and sometimes I don't want to be seen. To be perfectly right, honest, um, right, which is more usually more the case. But uh, there's some interesting things going on and, uh, in terms of the weather across the country, across the globe, really. And the, for this episode, the weather nerd came out in me. And we've got something going on in the Gulf of Mexico with two tropical storms potentially hitting the same coast within 24 to 48 hours of each other. And that apparently hasn't happened in the Gulf Coast ever on record. And other coasts, it's extremely, extremely rare. Uh, we've had the record heat. Uh, across the country, across other portions of the world. So uh, I was going to tap into my old buddy, Steve McLaughlin from NBC6, South Florida, uh, to see what's going on. You know, the, the big story, obviously, down there right now is everybody's bracing and New Orleans still going, you know, there's a sensitivity there. So let's get to the interview I have with Steve. We talk okay. about a lot of things. Uh, we talk about how Florida right now is handling COVID as well and, and other issues. Uh, it's a pretty good interview, and uh, I'll rejoin you on the other side. Sounds good? See ya. All right, here we go. All right, I want to welcome back NBC6, South Florida meteorologist, climatologist, Mr. Know-it-all, Smarty Pants. Hello. And, and, and my good friend, Steve McLaughlin. Hello, Steve. How are you, bud? What's up, Chris? Good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Just wanted to catch up with you because, you know, weather's kind of grabbing the headlines and the attention of a lot of people. We are seeing a lot of extremes. And the last time you were on, one of the main topics was about climate change and global warming. So let's get to the immediacy of what's happening, meteorologically right now at least. We've got a couple of tropical systems with the potential to land upon the same coast, the Gulf Coast, within what, about a 36 to 48 hour period. Fill us in, we've got Laura and Marco, correct? Correct. and. My NBC News sources tell me, and I actually didn't know this until today, that there have never been two hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time since we've been keeping records. So wow. this is a first. Now, where do they end up going? You know, there's a crossover of two cones of concern, those hurricane cones that track out the forecast that include places like Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, and anything in between, Lufkin, Cameron, those are just a couple of cities that we're looking at. I mean, these are folks that are going to be dealing with the west side of one storm and the east side of another storm within 36 to 48 hours. Now, let's time it out. The first storm that's going to make landfall or expected to make landfall is which one of the two? So first one is Marco, which is officially now a hurricane, but due to 
some wind shear and just not a very uh, strong environment for getting stronger. Mm-hmm. It should make landfall as maybe a category one hurricane, possibly a tropical storm, and that would be tomorrow. And that one's expected to be somewhere just to the west of New Orleans, correct? Yeah, the track originally had it right over Lake Pontchartrain. Now it looks like a little bit west, which, as you know, means that you get that dirty side of the storm pushing the water into Lake Pontchartrain. And anything east of the eye, you know, you're getting the onshore flow. So that's kind of building the storm surge in round one with the weaker storm. Right. And we were talking a little bit earlier before we we started this interview that the second storm may also put them on that same side, that dirty side, if you will. And the potential is there for maybe seeing storm surge of three, four days in a row. Is that correct? That's right. There could be some spots that maybe get storm surge followed by a blowout tide. So Mm -hmm. it evens out, but there's going to be some spot on the Gulf Coast that gets that onshore flow from both storms. And it might end up being New Orleans. You know, New Orleans is in a weird spot because you don't want a due southerly wind because the city itself is protected. But if you get that southeast wind Mm -hmm. for, you know, two, three, four high tide cycles, it's pushing the water into Lake Pontchartrain. I think that's when we start to see that epic flooding. And as both storms go west of New Orleans, that's bad for New Orleans. We might end up talking about it, Chris, that New Orleans is the story again, even if the storm does not make landfall there, either storm. I would hope that the levee system has obviously been dramatically improved since the last catastrophe they dealt with. But uh, again, this is kind of a unique situation, I guess, because of the potential length of time that this could be going on for them. Now, storm number two, Laura, that one has the potential of actually being a more significant hurricane. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so the amazing thing is that it early on looked like it might not even stay together as much more than a tropical depression. It did. It interacted with land, and the land did very little to tear it apart. It stayed a tropical storm. Earlier this morning, as soon as the storm got over water, it went right back to a stronger tropical storm. We'll see what happens over Cuba. It might weaken a little bit or hold steady, but as soon as it gets into the Gulf, it will become a Category 1 hurricane, likely a Category 2, and in the age of climate change, what's holding it back from being a Category 3? and then making landfall in the area that just had landfall a couple of days earlier with Marco. And, and let's talk a little bit about that because you know when, when you throw out the term, we throw out the term climate change or global warming and, and, and as if some magic wand is waved and that's why these storms are bigger. No, let's talk about the water temperature of the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, conceivably that might be some of the warmest water on the planet right now, right? Water temperature wise? Absolutely. If you wanna look at a storm that is a climate change storm based on the temperature of the water around the Gulf of Mexico, there's one storm that jumps out of me. That's Hurricane Michael. So Hurricane Michael made landfall in the panhandle. It was supposed to be a category two or three. It ended up being a five and the strongest storm to ever hit the panhandle in the history of keeping records. All it took was the water being a couple of degrees warmer than it should have been and the storm slowing down just a little bit. So with Laura, what's to hold it back from becoming stronger forward speed so in other words with this extra warm water all it takes is the storm to slow down just a little bit Mm -hmm. and it would be a record-setting storm by the way the same thing could be said of harvey even though harvey wasn't 
a wind storm. It was a water storm. It got stuck in place and you got all this water drawn in around Houston and the areas just east of Houston. And that's absolutely related to climate change. And Chris, the fact that there's these two storms at the same time, I don't know that that's related to climate change. I have no evidence of that. I think this is just a big coincidence. It, right, exactly. But what Laura does, that might be climate change related. Yeah, I mean, to for the layperson to understand basically what you know is warm water to a hurricane well that is like super fuel that's that's the juice that's the fuel to intensify these storms and i guess the, is the, are the water temperatures around the gulf close to 90 almost or at least high 80s is that uh, the case i don't know the exact number chris i can just tell you they are way above yeah. where they should be and by the way the atlantic too i mean the the water in the atlantic ocean between africa and florida mm-hmm. way above average the only thing that prevented laura from already being a major hurricane is the Saharan dust. I don't know if your listeners know about that, but you know, that dust and debris that comes off the coast of Africa suppresses storms. We just happen to have a really good shot of it over the last week and it prevented this storm from exploding. Well, there's no more dust when you get to the Gulf of Mexico. So we'll see what happens next. Yeah, even up here, I remember earlier on in the summer, because typically our warmest temperatures up here in the Northeast off of Long Island, New Jersey, they would happen late August, early September. We had temperatures, water temperatures in the upper 70s, getting close to 80, even low 80s back in June, which was very That's crazy. Unusual. That was very unusual. I, a couple of times I went back and I looked at, is that right? Is that a typo? And I went back and looked in the next day and no. And then finally they started reporting on that. But uh, so, okay, we're dealing with that. Obviously, storm surge could be the big story. Do they seem to be moving once they go inland fast enough that do you think flooding out of the rainfall potential out of this is going to be a story or not so much because of the forward speed? So let me tell you what concerns me the most is the track. So the last track I saw, the track forecast for Marco is a storm that maybe makes landfall around New Orleans and then makes almost a right-hand turn and follows the Gulf Coast. That's bad because then you're getting this rain that just sits in place for two or three days. And now you're talking about flooding. Whereas Laura comes in hard and just, you know, shoots up to the north, makes a landfall. But the other question is, well, how do these two storms interact? You know, if Marco slows down, it's going to slow down the forward progress of Laura. They can't become one storm. Mm -hmm. They can't merge. They can only push each other out of the way. So my biggest fear is, okay, what if Marco slows down, Laura slows down, now it's sitting in the Gulf of Mexico getting hotter and hotter and stronger, and then as soon as Marco works out of the way, now you've got a Category 3 or a Category 4 storm. That, by the way, we don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to scare people. We literally have never seen this before, so we're going to all find out together what happens when two storms have to get out of each other's way. Well, as a couple, how do you see it? Are they seeing eye to eye, Laura and Marco? You think this is going to work yeah, out? So I did a, I did a really good post, got a lot of feedback. I call this uh, Mora, the uh, newest Maura. power couple. It's uh, Brangelina. Uh-huh. Or, uh, I like this. Benifer. Uh Yeah. So uh, people were asking, can these two storms get together, quote unquote, you know. But we know about Fujiwara. Well, that's, so that's the thing. They can dance. Right. They can, they can fight, mm-hmm. they can push and pull, but they cannot become one. 
No. They cannot become. Uh, no, this is a G-rated. Meteorology is G-rated. You never have interaction. <laughs> That's the way that goes. Not to make super light of this, but you know, trying to have a little fun with with what's what's happening. Hopefully, everybody uh, stays safe. I mean, we had the effects of uh, Isaias up here, and I have to tell you, that was some of the strongest wind up here in a long time. There's, uh, I mean, there were still people in my neighborhood ten to twelve days later with power outages. I was walking around the neighborhood up here, and huge, I mean, huge trees were toppled and taking out power lines and and power poles. So. Uh, Again, a tropical storm. You know, I looked at that. I thought, wow, you know, 60, 65 mile hour winds. We did see some gusts, 80 and 90, but uh, it could do a lot of damage. And that's not a particularly strong storm. So, you know, again, this is the time of the year, right? This is where it starts to really pick up August into September and even October. You know, ECS, I think, had more tornadoes than any storm that we've seen in that part of the country mm. in history. There was just a train of, of, hurricane, of tornadoes and with tropical storm, tropical storm, <laughs> I wish, Hurricane Andrew, you know, that was the backside of the eye that brought the tornadoes. That wiped out Homestead. So when you add tornadoes to the mix, even on a weak tropical storm, man, that changes everything. Yeah, and I, you know, that's still something that as a science, we know it can happen when you have these landfalling tropical systems and hurricanes, they tend to spawn up these tornadoes. It has to do with, you know, friction with the land and creating, you know, obviously uh, these spin-up tornadoes that aren't particularly, you know, they're not F4s and the, the super tornadoes you see out in the Midwest, but a multitude of those. And still, I don't think we know because it, it seems to me every time now when there's a landfalling tropical storm, a tornado watch goes up for a large area. And some storms, it's like eh, nothing, maybe one, maybe two or nothing. And others like this last one, for some reason, and there's still... There's a lot to be learned about that. Let's go to the other side of things now. I've been watching you on, on Instagram and Facebook posts, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we've been talking about global, you know, climate change and global warming. And this summer is another one probably for the record books and already certainly in South Florida. How many record warmth temperatures have been set so far this summer season there? 159. Is that all? One, yeah, 159, including one this morning. And the... You know, the way we classify that is tied or broken records for either warmest low or warmest high in Key West, Miami, Fort Lauderdale combined. Wow. 159 times we mm. broke a record that has been, you know, in effect for sometimes a couple of years, sometimes 200 years. Yeah, you know, and, and it's this consistency that has led to, again, <laughs> we were to, we should have had, we should, we should put out the, maybe not, the conversation we had before we actually started recording this, uh, about facts, accepting facts and truth. That's what truth is. It's the actual facts. And I'm going to run through these numbers. So the hottest year recorded on the planet was 2016. That was followed by 2019, 2015, 2017, 2018, 2014, I'm not done yet, 2010, 2013, and 2005 had tied. That's how can you deny within a Well, I don't know, Chris, that you can just look at these numbers and just come to any conclusions. I mean, the jury is still out, Chris. I mean, where's 1750 on there? I don't see it. <laughs> and that, again, that's not to say there weren't years when the planet was very warm way back, you know, and, and right. that's certainly, you know, but it's, it's too, people have to understand, this is just something that's happening too often in a short period of time here with consistency that is not 
backing away. So this can't, we're not making up the fact that it's getting warmer. We can get into the whole other argument discussion. I prefer to make it a discussion as to why it's happening. And then is, you know, are there steps that can be taken to maybe even impact? Maybe we can't even change it. Maybe it's just, it's where it's going now. And it, you know, the momentum of this whole thing is it's going to do whatever it's going to do in terms of nature, but you can't deny that this is happening. And we will have to make adjustments, you know, clearly. You, what are you seeing down there in terms of reaction from people? Are they building things differently? Do they, do they speak differently about where the next 10, 15, 20, 25 years might the situation be in South Florida compared to where they are right now? So first of all, you know, Chris, I don't have to tell you, Miami's hot. Right. Hot in every way. You know, people come down here to be, to be free, the temperature is always warm all year round. Keep in mind, of all the years that Miami has been around, 2019, 2017, and 2015 were the three hottest ever. And 2020 is hotter already than those years. So we're about to set a new record for hottest year ever. Right. Um, when I look at the politics of climate change down here, and by the way, everyone, everyone knows it's happened. We see it with our own eyes. Right. I love to look at developers and insurance companies. Hmm. Developers to me are the climate deniers. Now, maybe they're not really deniers, but they're the people that say, no, 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 we're going to keep building these beautiful high rises on Biscayne Bay. Hmm. The insurance people, these are the scientists. They have mathematicians telling them, you are out of your mind for insuring people who are, you know, buying places on the water. So the insurance companies have continually increased their rates. So insurance companies know we can't insure you if you're going to be building a new house on the water. Developers are telling you, no, 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 no. This is beachfront property. Uh, it's, by the way, they won't tell you this. It's not beachfront property. You're going to be mm. in the most beautiful ocean ever in just a few years if you buy right here. So it's, you know, but the insurance companies, they know. And they're, you know, watch the insurance companies because they have the smart people working for them. Right. They're looking at the models and, and, and the projections. So in other words, if you buy fourth floor, fifth floor, maybe you could fish right out of your window. Is that kind of the, uh, <laughs> is that the concept? I mean, I, and then it's, it's the most romantic Miami you can think of. Yeah. And if you, if you if your balcony is high enough, you can, you can dance all night with the water at your feet. Like Venice, it'll be yeah. another Venice, which also is seeing, yes. is seeing changes as well. By, by the way, Chris, you know, there, there's something here called climate gentrification. I don't know if you've heard that term, mm. but generally, and this is going on across many places across the world, but here in South Florida, it, for whatever reason, the place that is safest from climate change, the highest pl place is also the place where poorer people, less privileged people have lived for the last 200 years. There's no coincidence that's where the train tracks are because the train tracks were built on the plateau. Okay, mm. so the train tracks brought migrant workers and uh, less educated people to their, to their jobs while the richer people went to the water. Well, mm. guess what? Those neighborhoods are now being bought up by wealthier people because it's, it's safe from climate change. But mm. without climate change, that may have happened anyway because of just natural gentrification of buying nice neighborhoods. It just so happens that, that people, lower income people are being pushed out of their homes that happen to be on higher land here in South Florida. Wow. Yeah. Again, you know, the initial thing with a lot of people, everybody wants to have a home by the water. 
but that's really the most vulnerable spot probably in terms of, of seeing uh, more media change from the climate change. But things, you know, things in terms of just how crops are grown and fires around the planet will probably, you know, there's going to be a major impact as well. Disease. Disease. You know, all, if a mosquito has an extra 10 days mm. to incubate, mm -hmm. 10 days is nothing, right? Well, to a mosquito, that's the difference between ending its life in Richmond, Virginia, or making it up to Baltimore. You know, it's little things like that that can take a disease and bring it to an area where it's not supposed to be. Uh, you know, that what we're talking about COVID, well, COVID has to do with, you know, taking an, an animal and moving it from its natural habitat, and then that animal has to start uh, co-populating with human beings. Mm. Now you're transporting diseases. This is all related to, uh, you know, how we treat the planet. And Absolutely. climate change is a huge part of that. And speaking of which, we'll, we'll go in that direction briefly. I don't want to beat this one because we've <laughs> been bombarded for the last six months with this. So how, uh, number one, how is South Florida doing right now in terms of dealing with COVID? I mean, it's been kind of a hotspot now for the last few weeks. How do you feel down there? What, what are you seeing down there from your perspective? Well, I can tell you that based on the numbers that are being reported, and I'm not a skeptic, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be Mr. Leading Heart Liberal, I don't trust any numbers, but I'm very, I have to be hopeful that the numbers that are being reported are honest because it shows a positivity rate that's been under 5% for the first time. Good. That's a good thing. Yep. You don't look at you don't look at how many people are positive, you look at the positivity rate, right? We all know that it's simple math. It doesn't it's not oh well, we're testing more people so more people are sick. That's I don't that's know if we all I don't know if we all know that, but anyway. Okay. Never mind. But the positivity rate down is <laughs> right. No name calling no here. Names. No names here. We don't do that. <laughs> but but it is, you know, it's a positive thing. I can tell you I have been thoroughly disappointed with you know, I think early on it started with our governor. Uh, first of all, back in the first week of March, allowing spring break to go on. Mm. Miami Dade closes down. All these spring breakers, including my goddaughter and cousin, come up to Fort Lauderdale. The infection rate there has was tracked back to all the cities they were going. That was bad. Mm. And then the cockiness of opening up too soon because, well, our we're okay, everything's fine. And then to find out a couple weeks later, oh no, it's actually much worse than anyone thought. Right. But, you know, if the positivity rate continues to go down, that's a good thing. It's a great thing. I would like to see whatever measures have been put in place to get the positivity rate under 5% to continue a couple more weeks. Mm. But I'm already hearing talk that the governor and all the mayors are saying, okay, we can start increasing right. yeah not fully opening up but start like easing things and i get it trust me uh, you know with restaurants mm -hmm. i want them to be able to open and operate but at the same time it's like okay we did the we did the right thing why don't we try it a little bit longer i don't know that's just me yeah well i mean it seems to be up here working there there's still so much to be learned about this whole process and and how it was handled and what's working best what's not what naturally will occur no matter what um, that's a whole other show. So let's shift gears one last time before I say goodbye to you, because the show is called Middle Age Warriors, and you know you're barely a middle aged warrior, but uh, getting getting close there, Chris. Uh, getting close. The uh, the gray the gray I can only 
Uh-huh. Right? It's so much with makeup these days. Aha, uh-huh. see, it's happening. Well, else, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, I, you know, we can always edit it out, but something else has happened in your life that's kind of a big step, and you are now sort of a, you're, you're a homeowner, right? I am a homeowner. I find, I bought a nice uh, townhouse in uh, South Congratulations. Florida. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's nice. It's, you know, it's nice to own something. It's nice to have a, a spare bedroom for guests and uh, a mm-hmm. two-car garage. That was always my dream. I just wanted my own garage. Not two cars, just a two-car garage. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's one thing at a time. One thing at a time. I, I, I do. Two-car garage is going to take up too much. Two cars would take up too much space. With one car in a two-car garage, it looks palatial. I got you. Well, what people can't see is what, you know, the, the imagery that I'm seeing right now is we're on a Zoom call, but uh, I see you're decorating it beautifully like a single male with a blue medicine ball. I love what you've done with that. Is that your exercise ball? <laughs> this is this is for abs. So, uh the gym, if you want to hear the truth, I was a member of a gym uh, in the town I used to live in, and they were not requiring masks. Wow. They said, well, while you're working out, you don't need masks. You only need masks when you're walking around in between equipment. Now, wow. that is the craziest thing I've ever heard since when you're working out, you're actually expelling more or, yeah, sure. of whatever is spreading COVID. And by the way, I also am from the school of thought, you don't need to be wiping everything down. Right. COVID is being distributed, you know, through yes. respiratory. That's right. my that's my feeling. Yeah. Unless you're touching random things and touching your eye, you know, it's really about wearing a mask. Anyway, there was this day where Broward County actually upgraded its law that you have to now wear masks. Mm-hmm. 24 hours a day if you're indoors. And uh my gym would not enforce it i had a bit of a tiff is it tiff can i use the word tiff is i think tiff is okay you were there you tell me if it was a tiff or something no, the, tiff. the tiff ended in me uh quitting the gym and canceling my membership on the spot uh, some would call that a steve mclaughlin move of uh whatever a little <laughs> dramatic but uh but i was like i will not be a, a member of a gym if you're not going to require people to wear masks anyway long story short my new gym does not have exercise balls, so I had to buy my own inflatable ab roller ball thing here. So that's what you're seeing in my bachelor pad. Gotcha. Look like something. It's only a, in the spare bedroom. Like something an oompa loompa would be rolling out. But anyway, okay. On that note, I want to thank you again for you know enlightening us on what's going on in the immediate weather, what's going on climatologically, and paying a little more attention to that. And uh, your life in general, everything's good. You look like a happy man. I, I, I get to watch you, by the way. Uh, Steve is with the NBC affiliate, NBC6, if I haven't said that before, in South Florida. Can be followed on Instagram at Steve Mac NBC6. And also on Facebook at Steve Mac NBC6. <laughs> is there a trend? Yes. Uh, but, I was uh, able to get all three locked in and verified. This was not an easy task. You got I got the blue check on all three. Wow, you're ahead of me now. We'll have to talk after this to figure out how. I need another blue check somewhere. I'm not going to name there, <laughs> but in any event. But uh, stay safe down there as well. Behave yourself. Don't get into trouble. I, I know how you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, and hopefully one of these days, things will finally loosen up a little bit and uh, people can move about a little bit more freely. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little while. I think we just have to be patient and be smart. So my my doctor, uh, who is actually a guest on one of our interview segments, he was a leading HIV doctor in the 1980s. He worked in a hospital in New York, in Brooklyn. 
it was the number one hospital for AIDS cases around the country, around the world. And he's like, Steve, I'm telling you, I'm an expert. It's going to be two years mm-hmm. before we have a vaccine that we can give to everyone. And people also can't stay home shuttered for two years. Right. So they're, what we're dealing with more, more likely is treatment. Mm-hmm. We have so many drugs that are going to treat this thing like we would treat the symptoms of the flu. Right. Or like hepatitis or like whatever, name a disease that can be cured. Sure. Uh, he, he goes, you know, be hopeful. There's going to be treatment, but stop talking about the vaccine. Yeah. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Right. No matter what you hear from Russia or from Donald Trump or from your, from anyone, there is no vaccine that is going to be viable anytime soon. And, and anyone who wants to test it out and be a guinea pig, God bless them. They're heroes. But mm-hmm. most people are not going to just inject themselves with something that may only last three months and might might have side effects. Right. You know? The key word, the key word you said viable, and, and that is going to take a long time. I mean, just look back historically at things. Uh, I was looking at like H1N1. Well, that was 11 years ago. Well, H1N1 is still around every flu season and people get it and some people die from the complications. That's COVID-19, right. COVID-19 will not disappear. So when I, when I ask people, well, how are you going to move forward in time with your life? And like, well, until till there's a vaccine, I'm not going anywhere. Well, I guess they're not going anywhere. And, and the, the thing is we've reached the point, I feel anyway, in my opinion, that when you're not in a, in a large wave of this, a tsunami, a spike, there you have to sort of, you got to shut it down for that period of time to get through that. But in general, we are going to have to learn how to coexist with this thing in as safe a way as we can. And we need to start respecting each other a little bit more. And that's it, end of story. But it's going to be here. It's not going anywhere. It no, wouldn't. it's not. And, and Chris, there's no AIDS vaccine. Right. That was 1980. Right. There's no AIDS vaccine. We have prophylactics that can protect you from it. Mm-hmm. We have treatment. There's no vaccine. Now, vaccines now are, there's a much bigger library of, you know, antigens and proteins to oh. test against. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand all the science of it. But, but also, you know, antibodies. My doctor got COVID. He mm-hmm. tested positive for antibodies. Three months later, he tested negative. So the antibodies last three months, for not him. forever. Right. He also said though, that he's never seen someone reinfected a second time that could infect other people. So people who've tested positive a second time can't right. necessarily transmit it to people. So we're all learning all these really great things, mm-hmm. but we need to, you know, just wear a mask. Right. It's Stop not, telling me I'm smarter than you for telling you to wear a mask. I'm not doing it to be smarter than you. It's it might, me being smarter than you and you, you know, not wearing a mask are have nothing to do with each other. I'm asking you to do it as a as a courtesy to me, and yeah. I'm asking you to do this thing. Well, it's you know, this is not a controlling thing. Hey, look, I got to be honest with you, especially for the summer, I hate wearing that thing. I I I, I telling you, it's disgusting. awful. It, it's awful, you know, but. We need to do that. We need to do that out of respect for the, the people in the world around us. If you don't give a, mm, well, you have to respect other people. It, you know, to me, smokers were told, you can't smoke here, you can't smoke there, you can't smoke anywhere. We can't even smoke in front of the building anymore where they used to smoke. And that's, that happened. Okay, fine. You need to wear a seatbelt. That's the law. That happened. I, I don't know why this is being turned to such a, especially it's in our face. You can clearly see who the threat is the threat is this virus this will 
slow it down in some shape or form and, and protect us. Why wouldn't you do that? I, you know, and if I, and if I told you, if every single human being wore a mask, we'd never have to shut down again. We could quote unquote, open our economy. Right. Why would you fight me on that? You can't get both. You can't get open economy and no mask. Would love to, but you, uh, you, you get one or the other. What if I'm telling you a mask and open economy? You get everything you want, but you have to wear a mask. Why would you fight me on that? Other than you hate me because I'm smart. I don't know. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. I've hated you for years because you're smart, but that's some other conversation. You hate science and math. What can I say? Well, let's hang in there. Let's try to stay positive. Let's look at the the upside of this and hope we're turning in the right direction. And if we have to slide back a little bit, let's be patient and let's not freak out. Let's keep the anxiety levels down. And uh, you keep uh, doing your weather thing, whatever that weather thing is you do. Now I get to say, they said it's going to do this. Oh, yes. I'm not officially one of the, although maybe I am, once you're a meteorologist, maybe you're always one of the day. I'm not really sure, but. Uh, I watched uh, my beloved uh, grandma Verducci. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she and I were watching the news together once, and it was some New York weatherman. I literally don't even remember who. Could have been a weather woman. Could have been Janice. I don't remember. Right. Said, blah, 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 blah. It's going to snow six inches. And I watched her later at dinner tell the rest of the family, they said, <laughs> it's six inches of snow. And I, I was like, Grandma, we were sitting right there together. I, we both know specifically who it is who said it. It's not they, but that's, you know. Oh, we're us New Jersey Italians. We have a way with words. Yes, so. it's, it's all about that. Well, hey, I had my dad for years when I was on TV at NBC and, and I'd stop over for something. Yeah, they say there's a storm coming. <laughs> like, dad I'm, dad, I'm one of the day. What are you talking about? <laughs> so be it. That's good stuff, though. That's precious. And, and we always remember that. All right, I'm going to let you go. I want you to be well. And uh, really, thanks so much again for taking time. I hope you stop by again and and uh, hope we get to see each other in person sooner than later. I will, Chris, I mean, as I told you, I'm going to see you in 2022. That's my next trip up to New York. I'm huh? kidding. I hope for them. You mean when they get the vaccine? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start <laughs> right. that again. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, bud. I appreciate you taking the time again. All right, be well. Thanks, Chris. All right, see you soon. Well, as always, uh, Steve, a plethora of information. We kind of covered the gamut there, but it's uh, it's interesting, number one, climatologically what's going on, and those numbers that we talked about, I think really make it very difficult to deny the fact that the planet's getting warmer. It's just too consistent for too long a period of time. There's something going on. There's something, something in the water, something in the air, and um, I can just imagine what the National Hurricane uh, Office must be like as you and I speak today, dealing with a hurricane and a tropical storm. Uh, from your experience, tropical storm likely to become a hurricane or not? Well, again, it depends on the environment that it's in. Uh, Marco probably won't be able to ramp up in time to become, again, this is going to be, this, this uh, podcast is a little time sensitive, but uh, it looks like Laura has a better potential of becoming a hurricane, but you know there is there, it's multifaceted because it may not be the strongest winds that are the worst part of the storm. It could be a storm surge in the wrong location that floods. Right. It could be the storm slows down and dumps 10, 15 inches of rain in one spot, so flooding becomes an issue from that. Uh, sometimes these, when they fall on land, of course they spawn tornadoes, and that could create another issue. But keep in mind, right, this time of the year, 
we're just getting into the busiest time of hurricane season, which is from late August through all of September and into uh, well into October. So hopefully this is an indication of, of where, where that is all heading. But on the other side of this, another issue and, and an area that's been impacted by this virus, travel. Yeah. We've got an interesting guest coming up that knows all about that, and we're looking forward to speaking with him. Absolutely. He's an old colleague of yours from the NBC Today Show days, and uh, now he is, I think, well entrenched on the CBS television network and has all the insights about travel. He's been everywhere in the world and uh, just a pleasure to talk to, and we're going to sit down and hear the inner workings and the mechanisms behind what's going on in the world of travel from a middle-aged warrior who ironically caught my attention because in his 60s, after being a lifelong bachelor, just got married. And that was the reason I thought, you know what, let's reach out to him. And then when I brought that up to you, Chris, you said, oh, I know Peter. And we are speaking We 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 should say who we're speaking of. It's Peter Bergberg, who a lot of people adore. I mean, he's been all over television and radio over the years and print as well. And just a great source for information in terms of travel and just a really interesting guy. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, you broke the news to me last night about him getting married. I'm like, what? <laughs> that ended. There, there can't be any bachelors left in the country then if that's the case. But it's going to be interesting. I look forward to that because that is an industry. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah. where are they right now? I mean, they, they, they're on a hold. Then they don't know how long that hold button's going to be there. And it's really going to be interesting to hear from Peter, his perspective of where he sees the travel industry going and coming out of this, what the process is going to be like. So, uh, And I think he's upbeat as upbeat yeah. as he can be, yeah. which is kind of a nice shot in the arm that we could use. Well, we're trying, we're trying to find people who are as upbeat as possible these days because the Eeyores, they're all out there. They're a dime a dozen, to be perfectly honest, in, in a mode like this. And that's understandable, but we're trying to find the, the brighter side of, of things as we slowly, hopefully, continue to come out and get back to something. I don't know what Anyway, till we meet again. Yes. Be good, feel good. Rick Summers. And Chris Amino saying... At the end of episode 22, I just like saying episode 22. Anyway, sunshine always. Stay well, everybody. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, We're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.